Katie Books Productions presents Lenny Gray, an audio drama written, produced, and narrated by Earl Sewell. Previously on Lenny Gray. I got to have you, Lenny. I ain't gonna let no other man get a hold of you. I aim to be the only man in your life for the rest of your days. I mean that. So either you marry me tonight, or you don't marry in your lifetime. I'll make sure of it. Lenny Gray traveled back to the shanty where Curly lived with his parents. Staying with them temporarily were his adolescent cousins who were asleep, spooned together like silverware. They live down the road with another family member. They'll be leaving in the morning, Curly explained, before lowering himself to the floor and onto another pallet, one knee at a time. Why are you looking at them like that? It ain't like they're strangers to you. You know every last one of them children. Curly misunderstood the sour expression on Lenny Gray's face. The space smelled like urine, and it was clear that one of the children, who were triplets, had wet themselves during their sleep. Apparently, it did not matter that they were sleeping in urine. The floor of the shanty was uneven, and several of the wooden planks on the floor had begun to rot. Reluctantly, she lured herself onto the floor next to Curly. Sleeping on a makeshift pallet at the opposite corner of the room next to him wasn't what she had in mind. But what choice did she have? She didn't have any money, education, or knowledge of the world outside of Dixon Mills. Lenny Gray focused her attention on the children and tried to figure out which one had peed on themselves because the odor that wafted through the air had an intense ammonia scent to it. She hadn't noticed, but Curly had removed his breeches and was beneath one of the quilts. He tugged at her shoulders so that she would get under the covers with him. She tearfully complied, but allowed herself to go numb. Lenny Gray cringed when Curly ran his musty fingers through her hair and cajoled her to spread her legs for him so that their marriage could become official. Hopeless and emotionally detached, she allowed him to do what came naturally between a man and a woman. What he was doing never made her feel like a woman. When she thought about it, she didn't even know how a woman was supposed to feel when mixing pleasures with a man. When he was done, Curly rolled off of her, pulled her close to him, and spooned her. Shortly thereafter, he began to snore, 
and the fart-like stench of moonshine on his breath singed her nostrils and encouraged a headache. When she tried to reposition herself on the floor, he immediately woke up. Where are you trying to run off to? Glancing over her shoulders at him, she looked into his eyes, which were accusing her of trying to run away again. My stomach don't feel so good, she said and sat upright. How come? Was I too rough on you? He asked. Domination had hitched a ride on the back of his second question. She could tell by the tone of his voice that he got gratification out of being physically stronger than she was. My stomach feel like it's on an angry ocean and won't settle down, she explained, feeling tears beginning to sting the back of her eyes. You ain't about to have a baby, are you? He asked sympathetically, which confused Lenny Gray. She didn't understand how he could be as mean and as angry as a dog one moment and as gentle as a floating chicken feather the next. I ain't that far along, she answered, repositioning herself before glancing out the window. She listened as rain pelted the shanty. Curly softly kissed Lenny Gray's shoulder, but what should have felt like a soft and tender moment was a rough and sharp one due to his chapped lips. With each kiss, she began to cry as she watched water drip into a pail that Curly had positioned beneath a hole in the tin roof. You got the sickness that come with carrying a baby. My grandmama told me about it when I was a little boy. You'll be fine. Pain will pass. Lily Gray tried to conceal her tears, but she couldn't. Her emotions were full and spilling over. Damn! Curly's tone changed in a blink of an eye. Is the pain that bad? I need to get some sleep. I gotta get up in the morning before the sun gets hot. And I can't do what I need to do with you carrying on like this all night. Fear snaked up her spine because she thought he might hit her if she didn't stop. She didn't have the words to tell him that her soul was crying because he had just stolen her life. She didn't know how to explain or to express that type of loss. She imagined that if she had found the words that delivered what she truly thought, he would consider it to be a declaration of war and would strike first. No, she whispered. Good, now come closer. Curly tugged at her shoulder and drew her in again. All you got to do is like the preacher say, Obey me, and I'll take care of the rest. You ain't got to worry about going to school or nothing like that. I done saw my way through to the third grade. I know how to read some words and even write a few of them, and that's pretty good. I'm going to take care of you and treat you real nice, Lenny. Curly assured her. He did not know it, but his words were not nice and had wounded her. She loved going to school, but had to stop in the second grade to help out in the cotton field. You don't need no more schooling, her father told her when he grabbed a small burlap sack and draped it over her shoulder. I like going to school, though. She wrinkled her nose because the burlap sack had a foul and damp odor to it. 
you can't go. Times are hard and living ain't easy. Keeping a roof over our heads and food in our bellies is more important. Maybe one day your children will go and they can teach you all the things they learned. You was eight years old and big enough to help out in the field. Oh, child schooling ain't nothing to cry over. It ain't all that important in these hard times. Besides, the world out there ain't got nothing decent for no educated colored girl. That's the truth of things, Lenny. The sooner you learn that, the easier your life will be. Lenny Gray buried the disempowering words of her father deep inside of her and hoped they would never surface again. The following morning, Lenny Gray made her way onto the front porch. Tom, Curly's father, was sitting in a rocking chair. He was slowly humming a ragtime tune that she assumed he'd heard in his childhood. He was carving a stick of wood with a knife. She couldn't tell if he was doing it to pass time or if he was trying to create something. She noticed he had on mud-covered farm boots, a pair of pants, and a button-down shirt with the sleeves folded back onto his forearms. Without looking up from his stick, he acknowledged Lenny Gray with a quick hello. Them children gone now. Their mama came for them before dawn, said Tom. Oh, Lenny Gray mumbled. What's wrong, gal? Can't you say good morning? Oh, hello and good morning, Lenny Gray whispered. Do you have any water? Nope. Drinking water around here comes out of the ground brown and dirty. It tastes worse than pig piss, said Tom as he took a sip of moonshine that was in a tin cup near his rocking chair. Tom was tall like Curly. He had deep lines that reminded her of wagon wheel tracks etched across his forehead and flanking both sides of his nose. His eyes had what looked like to be balls of dough under them, a receding hairline, and thin, angular ears with cords of black hair in them. The people of Dixon Mills, with superstitious beliefs, said that a person with sharply cut ears like Tom's was a sign of a person with a bad temper. How are you feeling this morning? Whenever he spoke, it always sounded as if he was being choked. Also, several of his bottom teeth were missing which was something she had not noticed before. Ain't show. Lenny Gray shrugged her shoulders, walked toward one of the support beams, and leaned her shoulder into it. Well, welcome to the family. I heard you got married last night, he said, continuing with his whittling. Yeah, it happened, Lenny Gray answered, before peering down the dusty road at the vastness of the cotton fields. I rented about 60 acres of land. I get to plant what I want and sell it myself. Once I sell it, I pay Riley Quinney what I owe him. Tenant farming a little better than sharecropping, but not by much, though. But at least I get a little money of my own in my pocket. I don't know much about that kind of stuff, Lenny Gray said with indifference. No, I guess you wouldn't. Curly know, though. 
He knows all the important things about living and surviving. I taught him well. Can I ask you a question? Lenny Gray pivoted around and rested her back against the support beam. A breeze came up and she inhaled the scent of wet grass from the storm the night before. I don't know nothing about bringing no babies into the world. You gotta talk to Ida about that, he said, figuring he'd answered her question before there was a need to ask it. My question ain't about babies. I didn't seen a child being born before. Then what question you asking? Your mama is Miss Mary, right? Lenny Gray asked. That's right. Why are you asking questions you already know the answer to? Just making sure, I guess. Tom noticed how Lenny Gray slumped her head between her shoulders and briefly wondered what kind of difficulty was floating around in her head about his mother. What you got going on in that head of yours, gal? You look lower than a toad in a well. Nothing, Lenny Gray whispered and focused her attention downward and on her dirty feet. Gal, you don't share much of what's on your mind, do you? No, I ain't got much to say, I suppose. I see why a girlie likes you, Tom chuckled. You ain't gonna put up much of a fuss over anything. You probably do everything he tell you. Lenny Gray didn't catch on to why his laugh made her feel as if she was five miles of bad road, but it did. What do you know about my mama? He asked, pressing the issue. I know enough, Lenny Gray said. No, you don't. You don't know the whole story. It's a sad and grim one. Tom spat before he raised his leg and pressed the sole of his boot against one of the support beams. How come you don't sound like other people around here? Your words sound different. Sometimes they come out real clear like white folks' words do. Yep, I know. Well, how come you sound like that sometimes? The way I talk ain't nothing for you to worry yourself with. I'm just as black and southern as any other man around here. Pausing for a moment, he took another swig of moonshine to swallow down his old, bitter wounds and pain that her question reminded him of. Tom preferred to avoid all conversation about where and how he was raised. Lenny Gray noticed that the facial muscles around his eyes and nose began twitching and decided to stop her prying. Ida appeared with her hair tied up in a black scarf. She had on a long black cotton night robe and black socks that covered her feet. She asked, What are y'all out here talking about? Lenny Gray glanced at Ida but didn't answer. This girl is like a fart in a fan factory. She asking questions that hang around a little too long. Tom answered. The whites of his eyes had turned crimson, and his words were slow and measured. I say, she done got on your knives already and ain't been here long enough for the sun to fully come up. Come help me fix some breakfast, gal. We got to know each other on better times. I can't have you standing around here looking like you were born yesterday and don't know nothing. Lenny Gray's eyes played tennis between Tom and Ida for a moment. She was trying to figure out in her mind 
how to manage the uncomfortable relationship she had with Ida and Tom. For a moment, she turned her attention away from them and looked down the road. She heard a faint voice from somewhere deep in her soul, begging her to run. She took one step towards the road, but then became paralyzed by uncertainty. Ida looked at Lenny Gray in judgment and evaluated her worth. Gal, I ain't gonna ask you twice. Now come on, ain't nobody got time for no foolishness from you. Lenny Gray reluctantly followed Ida into the house. As she moved past Tom, she noticed he took another swig of his moonshine. She wondered if the drink would put a stop to the frown that was tugging at the corner of his lips. Tom liked getting up in the morning to drink his moonshine and watch the sun come up. Other times, like last night, when there was loud thunder and rain, he knew that the devil was beating his wife about something. He rather enjoyed listening to how the devil was setting things right in his house. He imagined the loud roars of thunder were the voice of the devil letting his wife know how mighty he was. With that thought, Tom gulped down the last bit of liquor in his tin cup. He was about to get more when he saw a man walking towards the house. He pinched his fingers between the bridge of his nose and the corner of his eyes to make sure he wasn't imagining seeing someone. It was Judge, Lenny Gray's father, coming down the road with his shotgun sitting on his shoulder. This is Earl Sewell, writer, creator, and narrator of the audio drama Lenny Gray. Say, if you like what you're hearing, please take a moment and write us a review. Your reviews help others to find us. Also, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and finally click that subscribe button. Your reviews and subscriptions help others to find the show. Speaking of having others find the show, if you know someone who would enjoy Lenny Gray, the audio drama, please recommend it. And finally, please feel free to post a link to the show on all of your social media websites.